This is Tom Waddle on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Waddle and Sylvie podcast sponsored by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Go! Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What's up and welcome in. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000. Phone lines open for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen are unhappy about how they were portrayed during the Last Dance documentary that we saw on ESPN. They're unhappy about how they were portrayed. You saw the documentary like I saw the documentary, right? The doc was based on how Michael Jordan saw his life and saw his career. All the hot takers and the debate artists will try to pick apart what they wanted in the documentary, what they wanted to read into in this documentary, what was said, what was not said in the documentary. But I think it's time for us to dive into what is real. Horace Grant doesn't like what Michael Jordan said regarding Jordan's assertion that whole Grant told Sam Smith info to help Sam write his Jordan Rules book. Horace says that there were just lies. There were lies all over the documentary, the so-called documentary, as he told David Kaplan. And Mike could pretty much get these hands. That's pretty much uh, what was said there. And we're going to hear from Horace Grant in just a moment. But Scotty hasn't said anything on the record. Uh, But there are reports out there that he is unhappy about how he comes across in the documentary. Maybe, maybe not. But while the Horace Grant, Sam Smith comment is just opinion from Michael, the one thing that we do know is that the Scottie Pippen 1.8 seconds, him unwilling to come off the bench in a crucial situation, Scottie Pippen wanting to be traded during a championship run, Scottie Pippen throwing a chair in frustration during a game, his lack of leadership, and that leadership was something that was really needed, especially when Michael was not there. But we come to find out that leadership isn't for everybody. But despite all that, that has nothing to do with Scottie as the player. Because as you saw in the documentary, the ebb and flow of The Last Dance, that Scotty was made whole in that documentary. You saw the things that were actually facts because we covered these things as facts, right? Um, but the one thing that we got to point out is, is that in episodes 9 and 10, especially 10, when the Bulls took on the Utah Jazz, you saw Scotty Pippen with a bad back. He was going to take himself out of the ball game. I'm sure that he was shot up with something so he can stay on the floor because of Utah Jazz. And he gutted it out with a bad back and kept going to the basket. So out of all the things that might have been negative or questionable about Scotty Pippen, you saw at the end Scotty was willing to play because there's the migraine headache thing where he didn't want to come off the bench. And there was a lot of issues with Scotty. And there are some things, by the way, in Scotty Pippen's background with the Bulls that was not mentioned in the documentary. Things that we can bring up here, like him having a gun, a loaded gun, uh, that he was arrested for uh, in the Viagra Triangle in that area, like in back in 93-94. I mean, he didn't bring that up. There's other things that could have been brought up, but I think that at the end you could see how Scottie Pippen matured, and when he was needed most, even though he was hurt, he just continued to play. 
and help the Bulls win their sixth championship in eight years. As we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So let's hear from Stacey King, because Stacey King was on Golik and Wingo. And Stacey was part of that first run of championships for the Chicago Bulls. Stacey, he defends Horace Grant based on what was said in the documentary. Hey, one more thing about that Horace Grant situation, because I know yeah. I know we were going to talk about that for a split second. You know, Horace Grant was always looked at as the guy who gave the leap. And, you know, we confronted Horace about that when that book came out. And every player confronted him about it. And Horace has always been a stand-up guy. That's one thing about Horace Grant. If you don't know Horace Grant, he, he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's loyal. He'll stand up. He'll fight for you. If I got to go down the alley, I'm taking Horace Grant. So when Horace Grant told us after being confronted by the team, was he the league of the team, he, he basically told us no. Looked us in the eye and said he wasn't the league. And if you know Horace, you know Horace doesn't lie. So to this day, everybody on the team, you might have your suspicions, you know, the, you know conspiracies or whatever, but his teammates know who Horace Grant is. Horace Grant told us he didn't have anything to do with it. He's a brother, he's family, and we believe him. So as long as we believe him, I think that's all that matters. So that's there from a three-time NBA champion, Bulls color analyst Stacey King. And the documentary was really digging into some things that we were not aware of, some things that were written but maybe not aware of here in 2020. Like, Horace is on Cap and Company, and Horace was asked, did Michael Jordan take food from you on the plane? Oh, uh, Cap, come on. I mean, I, I mean, anybody knows me as a rookie that – if anybody, I mean, comes up and try to snatch my food away, I'm going to do my best to beat their ass. <laughs> and believe me, back then I could have took MJ in a heartbeat. Yes, yes, it's true that he told the flight attendant, well, don't give him anything because he played like crap. And I went right back at it. I said some, some, some choice words that I, I won't repeat on here, but I said some choice words. And stood up. If you want it, you come and get it. And of course, you know he didn't move. He was just barking. But that was that was the story. But anybody knows me, where I come from, and what I stand for. Come on, man. Ain't no there's nobody in this earth will ever come and try to take food off my plate and not get their rear end beaten. <laughs> That's just a weird part of the conversation that Kaplan had with Horace Grant about whether or not food was taken off of, the, off of his uh, plate or trying to take food away from him. Just kind of a weird thing. Um, Horace also talked about Scottie Pippen because, as we just talked about, no matter what was said in the documentary that was unsavory about Scottie Pippen, the one thing we do know is that Scotty became a top 50 player in the league and was uh, a terrific second to Michael's number one status on this Bulls team. So Horace was asked, was Pippen treated fairly in the documentary? I have never seen a uh, quote-unquote a number two guy as, as, as decorated as, as Scotty Pippen uh, portrayed so badly in terms of the migraine, um, in terms of... Uh, the 1.6 or 7 second um, uh, selfish. I, I have never seen this uh, in all of my life. In the respect of people's out there, I think game six, could barely walk, uh, getting knocked down on his back, trying trying to do whatever he, he could 
to help that team. Um, and my, my, my point is, why was that 1.6 or 7 seconds in the documentary, so-called documentary, uh, about Pip? I mean, MJ wasn't even on the team. Right. Why was that in there? I mean, that we handled that that year very well as a team. So this interview with Horace Grant went viral all over the sports landscape and blogs and different websites and sports radio shows, sports TV shows. This went viral because Horace Grant dared to tug at Superman's cape. He dared to be able to say about Michael Jordan, it's a so-called documentary and it's not true. Well, despite all of the drama, Michael Jordan probably doesn't win six titles without help, especially in the first run of the championship, because that was Horace Grant, that was Scottie Pippen, that was Bill Cartwright, and so forth and so on. You saw the documentary, you know the history, you know where I'm going with that. I mean, without those other teammates, Michael couldn't have done this. And here's how I know, because even if you didn't live it, you watched the documentary and saw the struggles that Jordan went through trying to score 60 points a game and realizing that you can't win a championship by yourself. Only Dirk Nowitzki did one year (laughs) with the Dallas Mavericks. But you can't win a championship by yourself. But here is the bow I'm going to tie on this. Because after today, I don't know how much more I'm going to talk about this documentary. Um, there might be some other news that come out of it, but I'm going to tie a bow on it after tonight's show. Because if teammates of Michael Jordan don't like how they were portrayed, then I would suggest for Horace Grant or for Scottie Pippen or Scott Burrell or whoever else that has an issue with this documentary, I would suggest for them, if you don't like the way that you were portrayed, Get your own book and get your own documentary and give us your point of view. See, some people just don't read or they are not curious enough, intellectually curious enough to find out why a documentary of this magnitude is happening on ESPN. Why was there 10 episodes of this? Because this is Michael Jordan's view of how he saw things in his career as a bull, as a Tar Heel. Uh, growing up uh, in North Carolina with his dad and his family. It's from his standpoint. It's his documentary. So for anyone else that's trying to figure out how come this angle wasn't there, this angle, because he had the pen, because he had the ability to write and edit whatever he wanted to have in that documentary. It doesn't make it a bad documentary. It makes it very interesting, especially some of the old footage. I enjoyed the hell out of it because it just took me back to memory lane and made me realize some other things that I didn't know about the Bulls championship run. But if Horace Grant for 24 plus hours can go viral as a number one or number two trend all over the world and all over the country about his comments on a cap and company, then he needs to do something about it. Don't cry about it. Scotty Pippen has been radio silent. He hasn't said anything on the record about this documentary. Dude, step up and say something about it then, or set the record straight by having your own documentary. Mike is the best basketball player in my lifetime. And he can be questioned, but you realize that his forward approach in talking to former teammates or coaches or players that he battled doesn't age well in 2020. That old school, say what you mean, and either suffer the consequences, 
now or later scenario, that doesn't happen very often with today's players. This is why people are a little touchy about this. This is why even some of his ex-teammates are a little touchy about it because if you didn't know Michael Jordan, go back to when he was put into the Hall of Fame. Names that he mentioned in the Hall of Fame, you're like, wow, that's not Michael Jordan where in the full suit after a game talking about the game that he just played or talking about his teammates. No, it was not. The Michael Jordan that we know, if you didn't know before, is someone who's very candid. Candid is something that is not commonplace enough in 2020. I would rather for you to tell me face-to-face how you feel about me versus you being able to go through back channels and tell me how you feel about me. See, I, I got a lot of that in 2020. But instead of just being direct and giving your point of view, Jordan gave his point of view because he had the power to have his own documentary. You know, going on Instagram and using memes and songs and quotes from Dr. King and James Baldwin to express yourself is not what players did in the 1990s. Jordan has not conformed to the norms of today's sports society. And if I'm a former teammate, that's okay. I'm okay with that. The history books are written by the winners. And Jordan was the ultimate competitor and winner in his day. So no matter what was in this documentary, nothing will move me away from the essential story of a championship team in Chicago. I know that the bells and whistles and the flares and the pomp and circumstance and everything else around this documentary seems to be a distraction. But it doesn't distract me because my whole takeaway from the documentary is, wow, Throughout all the drama and the question marks and the blood, sweat, and tears, we saw the greatest championship team in the history of Chicago sports for that run, six titles in eight years. You know how we are bereft of championships in this city? How few and far between the championships are? I don't mean like division championships or just winning a few playoff games. I mean championships and having a run, a sustained run. Now, often that happens in the city. doesn't happen very often. So no matter how you may feel about the certain aspects and elements around the documentary that will never take away my feeling about a championship because uh, Karnaschovas and Eversley have a long way to go to be able to try to put together something like this for the Chicago Bulls and for Chicago sports fans. Glad to have you in today. Coming up next, uh, we will talk about LeBron James for the first time in a long time. He's in the news again. LeBron James. As polarizing as he is, he's in the news, and we talk about him coming up next as you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Guest free in our first hour here on ESPN 1000 on the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Uh, LeBron James. Um, it's so funny. Davis, I just typed in the name LeBron on Facebook, on my Facebook wall, facebook.com. I just put in LeBron. And 
And Mike is the first one to chime in. He says, are you going to get the Jordan stand started? <laughs> By just putting LeBron there, my first comment is, are you going to get the Jordan stand started? And it's just kind of funny, like, you know, how polarizing the name LeBron is, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's amazing that you got that automatic response. Almost like it's a Siri for Facebook. Like, Well, seriously, like I'm going to let this stay up here for like another 40 minutes of the show just to see what just by just typing his name. And I know that that there are some with a little twitch in their eye wondering what is Hood going to talk about when it comes to LeBron James? Well, LeBron James, it is compelling to read. Uh, some stories around the last dance. And I've held this back until today. And there's some new stuff about LeBron, but LeBron James is the face of today's NBA in 2020. And there are so many Michael Jordan fans. And there's a difference between Jordan fans and bulls fans in this regard that are so um, they're so afraid and they're clutching at the garment, the garments of Michael Jordan and, and trying to hold on to his history and I know he's the greatest I've ever seen. And I don't have to diss LeBron by talking how much I enjoyed watching Michael Jordan play. The, the NBA, just like any sport, has been based on uh, eras. And so if Jordan is my favorite, for someone of a certain age that look at LeBron James as, the, as their favorite, or Kobe as their favorite, or Tim Duncan as their favorite, I'm not going to yell and scream at that person because that's their era of basketball. Someone will say it's Kareem. I mean, Kendall Gill will swear up and down that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest basketball player to ever live, high school, college, pro. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm just not going to be yelling and screaming about someone's favorite. But just, it is interesting when you say LeBron, how people will react. So I'm reading Brian Windhorst's piece um, on ESPN.com. Many basketball fans enjoy debating who is better, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. But when the Lakers star fantasizes about playing with Jordan, it's as his teammate. Uh, he says, me personally, the way I play the game, the team first, I feel like my best assets will work perfectly with Mike. Uh, and he talks about how Mike is an assassin. So it, it's interesting to hear LeBron James speak so highly of Michael Jordan and saying, boy, I'd love to play with Mike. Let's go back in time uh, to the uninterrupted, the YouTube channel, where LeBron talks about Michael Jordan. Bro, you have no idea, man. Um, I, it's, it's two things. It's two people that I've met in my life that's changed my damn, changed my life. Me and my wife that I've been with since uh, since 2002. And when I met Michael Jordan in 2001, you know what? Let me throw Jay-Z on there, too, because that, that was a huge moment for me, too. But when I met Michael Jordan for the first time, I literally couldn't believe it was him. I couldn't believe it. Like, people, you know, I felt the dude looked like Jesus Christ to me. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like black. He looked, you know, he was black Jesus to me. Nobody could tell me anything different. When I walked, I was in Chicago, Maverick and I and our good friend G, we, they take us to hoops. I'm going there. And before they play, they say, Mike always, you know, used to lift before they play. Mav know the story. So we walk upstairs and nobody told me that Mike lift before he played. I don't know anything about lifting right now. I'm, I'm a high school sophomore. I don't know anything about lifting. Um, we walk up there, and the first person I see is Charles Oakley. You know, Oak being from Cleveland, dapped him up. I had seen Oak around the city a few times, you know. And 
Oak move. And when he moves, Mike is sitting on the bench press. Um, and I was like, oh, my God. I, was, I didn't think he was real, man. You don't understand. I didn't think Michael Jordan was real. I only thought he lived in the TV, either in games or commercials or come fly with me on cassette tapes. Wow, yeah. I didn't think he was real. And when I saw him, I was like, if, if the man above would have took me that day, I would have lived a hell of a life, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> I had to see him yeah, like, that. For us to meet MJ was just like, that was the end of it. Was the end of it. I didn't, when I got back home to Akron and I told my boys, like my boys, because they know how crazy I am about MJ. They was like, no, nah, you're lying. I'm like, dog. I was, <laughs> not only did I see Mike, I was on the court with Mike. So LeBron fanboying over Michael Jordan, and rightfully so, right? Because of how great Jordan is. But I know for some that's not good enough. The uh, just, just to know that LeBron and Jordan were in the same proximity, because how people try to cling and hold on to Jordan and his legacy when really Jordan couldn't care less about how I feel about him or how you feel about him because he knows he's great. He doesn't need you or me to tell him he, he's great. He already knows, and LeBron James knows this as well. Uh, as we talk about this here on ESPN with Downs, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. But LeBron James as a name is so interesting. Davis, have you seen this on Facebook again? I'm just looking on my Facebook. Yeah, I'm looking at these the comments. It's crazy. So, so I just typed in the word LeBron seven minutes ago. And and Mike says, you're going to get the Jordan stand started. Uh, uh, Reva Jones is, is rolling his eyes in a, in a gif. And uh, Cody Grant says that's bait. And Pino says, you spell drama queen wrong. Um, and Evan Thomas says no, and Damien is, has a gif that's just laughing. It's it's interesting just to, to have his name up there and how people have a reaction to LeBron. And so when I think about the top five players all time in the NBA, and not in a like um, Mount Rushmore situation where I'm trying to pick four, I'm just going to just give you five, right? So my personal five is Jordan is at the top, along with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, because, as I just stated, as Kendall has told us many times in this show, that you look at his high school and college and pro career, and it's, it, it's one of the best runs of a basketball player of all time. Bill Russell, because of the 11 titles in 13 years, and I think a couple of other championships as a head coach as well. Magic Johnson was the first point guard or point forward that I saw six, nine playing the guard position and was not even the greatest shooter when he first came, uh, came out, uh, in 79, but really developed into a leader and just one of the all time great Lakers and LeBron James is in my top five. This is no slide at Kobe. There's no slide at Tim Duncan or Larry bird or anyone like that. But LeBron has put in the time and you could see the numbers there and you don't just turn a blind eye to great numbers. Um, the, the reason why I could put LeBron in my top five is because I'm a grown up and I have two good set of eyes and I can, I've watched basketball and appreciate the history of the game. And so LeBron has to be there in that conversation. But here's the thing that just because LeBron didn't play for the bulls and just because Kareem Russell and magic didn't play for the bulls don't, doesn't mean that I have to wipe them away off of history. That's my personal five. And so LeBron is someone that makes people tweak <laughs> because when you have someone 
And this is not even just millennials. There are pundits. There are people that do what I do for a living that believe that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player in the NBA, in NBA history. In the NBA today, absolutely. Um, for the history of the game, no, LeBron is not the greatest. But definitely, you put him in the conversation as one of the all-time greats because of the numbers that he's put up. Everyone has an era. Everyone has a style of basketball, generation to generation. So to suggest that just the 80s and 90s were the best and nothing else matters from the 50s and 60s or nothing matters after the 2000s is ignorant. It's just it's not a grown up conversation. It's just based on what you thought was the good old days. I could talk to baby boomers right now and open the phone lines of baby boomers only to tell me how great Kareem was and how great Russell was uh, in their generation, how they were unmatched in their generation. I can have Gen Xers like me to tell you how Michael was dominant. I don't need a documentary to tell you how great he was. Uh, and, and same thing with Magic Johnson. We could talk about that. But it's generational and it's your opinion. But my opinion or your opinion is that the prevailing opinion. But I think that what is true is that everyone has their run and everyone. And you see a, a guy dominating the 90s. It's like the magic and and bird dominate the 80s. It was fun to watch. But just because it's something that you remember as a kid or growing up and say, yep, that's the best. and Nothing else will ever change that. That's not the case because LeBron James is breaking Michael Jordan's records left, left and right just based on the mileage he's put on his body and the amount of teams that he's played for and championship teams he's played for, he's done that. But here's the dividing line. Davis, you're not working here at the time, but let me tell you the story. You know what broke the internet? People use that phrase, break the internet, right? You know what broke the internet? The night that Stephen Bardo and I worked together, the night that LeBron made his decision. And it was a special show. You know, the programmer at the time said, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a show called LeBron James tonight. I'm like, really? really? LeBron James tonight. We were doing this every night trying to figure out where LeBron would go after his days with Cleveland or would he return to Cleveland? But he had this big announcement. And so we put five hours in that night on the announcement of LeBron not coming to Chicago, not going to L.A., but going to Miami. And that was, that broke the Internet. And that made everybody upset, not understanding what free agency meant. Free agency means trying to be free. <laughs> but somehow, some way, people were not happy with someone trying to exercise their free agency. And ultimately, it's just people being salty because uh, a great young player did not choose their city. That's what it came down to. So more on LeBron James, because Paul Pierce will probably agree with many of you. Paul Pierce from ESPN, former Boston Celtic great. I think he agrees with many that says that LeBron James is not an all-time great. We'll hear from Paul Pierce coming up next right here on UTH. Go ahead. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter. At Tweet J Hood. LeBron James. Are you triggered? <laughs> Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Um, so Paul Pierce may agree with some when it comes to LeBron James. So Paul Pierce, the from ESPN ABC, an analyst and a Boston Celtics great. 
was on talking about LeBron James. Listen closely. Bill Russell built up the organization in Boston to get way more credit than we give him. And a lot of times he gets left out of the uh, conversation. So in saying that, Kareem, look at the names that I said. Kareem, Magic, Jordan, Tim Duncan, Kobe, uh, Bird. These guys are all top 10 players who either help build up their organization or continue the tradition. And oh, in saying, the, the, the one thing that is ever from LeBron. He went and put together a team in Miami. I think there's and a lot of... Com- he came back to Cleveland to put that team together. And then he went to the Lakers where a tradition has already been made and we don't know, you know, that's still to be continued. So in saying that, that's my argument. Oh. Organization, it goes both ways, man. It ain't just like one player is the only thing that makes it happen. LeBron James wasn't surrounded by other great players. He had to go to a first-class organization in Miami to actually figure out what the standard of excellence was with Pat Riley and D. Wade and Mickey Harrison. Come on, man. So who are you blaming this on? Who are you blaming this on? What's I'm your point? On, I'm not blaming it on anything. I'm saying you don't need to make an organization great in order to be one of the greatest of all time. I don't have an obligation. I didn't say he wasn't the greatest of all time. I did not you say that. He he's, not, he's not top five on your rank. That's, that's the way that's top five. You want to hear my top five? You want to hear it again? Sure. You want to hear it again? Jordan. Sure, let me know. Kareem. Russell. And you know who the fourth one is? Magic. Who's, who's the fifth? Now you know who's in my top five? I'm not saying nothing right now. Kobe Bryant. Come on. Oh, that's my top five. Argue with it. <laughs> Argue with it. Fine. That's Paul Pearson's top five. That's fine. He's got Jordan, Kareem, Russell, Kobe, uh, and Magic. He has four out of uh, the five that I chose. I just thought about it off the top of my head. It's something I don't think about every day. because I understand that if I work someplace else, that this would be a constant thing where I have to talk about my top four or top five every day. But just off the top of my head, that was just my five, and he's given his five, and he, just bring LeBron, he doesn't think LeBron's a top five player. I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, but if he has him in the top ten, it still makes him great. Anytime that you could say that you're the top at anything or one of the tops at anything, that is an accomplishment. And LeBron is is not number one on my list, and he, he doesn't have to be. He, I don't think he cares whether or not we have him number one or not, but I know how great he is. He definitely is great. The, the one thing that is always going to be a dividing line for me when it comes to sports is when we start throwing at the word great just for any player. Oh, that guy's great. That guy's a great player. When you don't see championships or you don't see a sustained run or you don't see someone who changed the game, we throw around the word great too often. We could say good, very good. That triggers me more so than I think LeBron James is a top five player or a top ten player. He's one of the best. That makes him a one percenter. That's pretty good. What do you think? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776, our phone number. Are you triggered by LeBron James? And, and what I don't get is, like, the hatred or the sports hatred over one athlete because he didn't play for your team. There was a one in, oh, gosh, five or six chance that LeBron was going to play for the Bulls because he came to Chicago and talked to the Bulls brass to find out whether he's going to be with the Bull. You met, imagine if he would have come to Chicago after his first run with Cleveland, how the uh, conversation would be so different. It's just nonsense. It's silliness. It's silliness. And hood. He's, 
He's a top five player for me. Hood. It makes sense that his top five would be who it is. He grew up in Los Angeles. Three of his top five are Lakers. He played for the Celtics. Bill Russell was in there. And, of course, Michael Jordan. So that makes sense for his preferences. Doesn't mean he's taking a dig at LeBron necessarily, even though they didn't like each other on the court. But, I mean, that's where he grew up. That's the organization he played for. And that's pretty much the greatest player of all time to most in his top five. Sure. Yeah. Makes makes sense to me. (laughs) But you know that this is going to be a thing. I'm talking about it tonight only to make a point that – if LeBron James is not in your top ten, then I'd love to hear the other other five. And I don't know how you can set a uh, turn a blind eye to all the numbers that LeBron has put up in his career and say, nope, that's not great. Of course it is. It's a different era, but it doesn't mean, mean it's less great. It's, it's uh, that's craziness. Like I could tell you now that I I don't. There's a, about five or six sitcoms that I would not watch in 2020. All the best sitcoms are in the 70s and 80s. Well, I'm sure there's some sitcoms that I'm just not watching, but I wouldn't consider great because I haven't been watching it or don't consider it. Like it, nothing could beat Sanford and Son, and nothing could beat Give Me a Break. Nothing could beat the Brady Bunch. You know, like like those are all time uh, classics, but it doesn't mean that we won't see all time classics today in 2020. Sure, we will at some point. It's just not considered that now. Three one two three three two ESPN is our phone number. Let me sneak in Dave because he's been holding patiently in Bolingbrook on ESPN one thousand. Hi, Dave. Hey, Jay. How you doing? Good, Davey. Thanks for checking in. Good. I, I, I was just going to say about Scotty uh, Pippen. Like his PR, I think it's like all wrong, you know, like during his documentary and stuff like that. I mean, it seems like he has a chip on his shoulder and uh, I don't know, like he's like mad or something like that. It's like, Scotty, you know, we love you. You know, we're Bulls fans. We love you. Mm-hmm. You're the uh, number one, 21 player in the world and crack a smile sometimes. With, with teeth, right? Thank you for the phone call. Thank you for the phone call. There's <laughs> one. Pippen doesn't smile enough. That reminds me of the old uh, the Frank Thomas calls I would take. Uh, Sox fans would call in. It's like, you know, it's Frank Thomas. Yeah, he's a good player, but he didn't smile enough. Hey, like, he doesn't smile enough for you. Okay. So let's, let's address, Dave, the Scotty Pippen thing. Chip on his shoulder. Well, as I mentioned, when we saw the documentary, you know, he believed that he was on on par as good or better than Michael Jordan because the documentary was talking about that, like how he came in with a chip on his shoulder. And that's actually a good thing, because would you imagine being around Michael Jordan with zero confidence? At least Scotty believed that in himself coming out of central Arkansas. He believed in himself. And so I remember him as a backup to Brad Sellers, was able to get past Brad and was a starter and grew into the position knowing that it had to be on defense first. And he grew into a top 50 player. Now, again, there's some things about Scotty that uh, it's not necessarily a checkered past, but there's question marks about some of his decision making Uh, as far as him wanting to be traded during a championship run. I just think that's unheard of. It's a head scratcher even to this day um, to suggest to the documentary folks that, yeah, you know, if I had to choose do it again, I would also sit out another 1.8 seconds because I believed I deserved that last shot and not. Tony Kukoc. Just, uh, just let me put a pin in that for a second. So when Pippen said, I would do it again, what if Michael said that? How would it come across? 
it would come across as Michael Jordan with confidence, right? It's J- Jordan's bravado saying that in that moment, I deserve to have the ball. We heard in the documentary many times, I'm talking to various coaches saying, you know what, we're going to draw this play up and uh, either Curry's going to be the decoy, Pax is going to be the decoy, or just give me the ball and get out of the way, in like in the Cleveland series. But it, it's interesting that when Pippen says it, it doesn't ring true for me. Because it's like, look, you've been a team guy all this time, and now it's 1.8 seconds, and they're trying to give the ball to Tony because people don't expect Tony. They expect you. So give the ball to Tony. And he was like, no, I'm not coming, going, to, not going to play. Here comes Pete Myers. What if Jordan said that? Right? Different. Different kind of set of circumstances. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Pippen doesn't smile enough. Pippen's a grown-ass man and a rich man. <laughs> and he's into a top 50 player. He doesn't have to smile for me. Um, Marvin on Facebook says, why are you starting this? The LeBron haters and LeBron stands are equally exhausting. Just by writing the name LeBron. See how polarizing it can be? Just for just being a, a great player. Just polarizing. It's, it's interesting. Um, coming up, some thoughts about the uh, Chicago Bears. So Matt Nagy is falling on his sword. What did he learn from his few years as a Bears coach? We will discuss that next right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Jason Reed from TheUndefeated.com will be with me at 8 o'clock as we talk about the Rooney Rule in the NFL. The NFL uh, owners and the commissioner have tabled the kind of reimagined Rooney Rule. We'll talk to Jason about that. He wrote a great piece in TheUndefeated.com about that. So we'll talk to Jason at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN uh, 1000. Uh, as far as the Bears are concerned, and of course, we don't know when the season will start. Hopefully it will start on time. I'm ready for Bears football. i got to take a little a bit, a bit of a Bears break because uh, on the GM shuffle, <laughs> Mike Lombardi, a former GM, hosts that show with Adnan Burke. It's an interesting show because it's a, a different way to look at the National Football League based on how they present it. Um, so you know that you can bet right now on the MVPs uh, for the quarterback position in the NFL. There's a lot of things you can do prop bets bet, uh, with. And so... Um, so there was a question about Mitch Trubisky because you know, like this time last year, it's like, oh, Mitch is going to be MVP. You know, you know, put your money on, put a hundred dollars down to be able to win a ton because Mitch is going to be the MVP. Uh, Mike Lombardi doesn't think he's going to put any money down on Mitch Trubisky this year. How like insane would you have to feel to put any sort of money on MVP, Mitch? Or would you do it just like out of spite? Like if it's, I don't know the odds. It's 100 to 1, whatever it is. Would you do it for your own amusement and say, Millie, watch this. I just threw away 100 bucks <laughs> on Mitch Trubisky today. Uh, I, I, there's no way I'm throwing anything on MVP, Mitch. But I would recommend to people listen to the pot. You know, you can bet on opening day starters. Like who will be the opening day starter for any team? And they give you odds. The favorite right now in Chicago is Nick Foles. I would I would urge to bet on Mitchell Trubisky being the favorite. I think the fix is in. I don't think Mitchell will lose his job in preseason. 
A, I don't think we're going to have much preseason because let's face it, how can you have a preseason and then you're going out there and you're practicing and all of a sudden you got to shut down the season? I think they're going to go, they're going to, if they're going to go, you know, as Uncle Junior said, they're going to go heavy or not go at all, right? They're, they're going to, you know, they're not going to waste it. They're not going to go and, and cut, bring a staple gun to, sh- to, to, to what, did, what he did to Mikey Palmisi. They're going to come heavy. And I think that, I think that there's no doubt that, you know, Mitchell's not going to lose his job in any before they get there. He's going to lose his job the first three weeks of the season. So I love the Trubisky bet to be the starter in Chicago. I'll take that bet, and I think you should take that bet too. I don't know if it's going to really be a fair competition between the two, between uh, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. I believe Trubisky will start the season. I really believe he will start the season, and then it's his job to lose. Um, but the idea that Foles is going to come in and just be the Superman from day one, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, and it's about being familiar with the offense, but really it's about executing the offense too, right? So Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Bears, was on Waddle & Sylvie not too long ago. And I wanted to just kind of go over some of the things that Nagy said. So it's obvious that the Bears should have run the football a lot more. There should be no question marks at House Hall on whether or not David Montgomery can be the guy to run the football down in and down out. If there's any questions, it's because the Bears did not run him enough to know whether or not he is a load back, someone that can be there day in and day out for this Bears team. I just remember it still rings in my head, my big head, about how Matt Nagy just kind of just shoo-shooed the media away when there was questions in his first year about running the football. Also questions last year about running the football. And he, he just kind of just, you know, haphazardly was just like, oh, that must be for the foot, the fancy football people, right? Fancy football people wants to run the football more. No, you run the football because that would have been a, an opportunity to be able to help Trubisky even more so. Even with that rickety offensive line, you still have to be able to have a, some semblance of running the football, and they did not. So, Nagy was asked, uh, "Is he mad at himself for not running the football more?" First of all, the thing that I that I really appreciate that you just started that off with is that you were honest and you're able to say that. You know, I I appreciate that. I don't think there's enough of that that goes on in this world. So, thank you for being honest. Number two, is is our yeah, I did start there because you know you have to be able to run the football in this league to win. You have to, and but you also need to throw the football. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance there. And every game is different. There's some games where the matchup just isn't good. And as much as we want to look at the fantasy stats and say, my guy needs 30 carries, that's just not going to happen because they got a better defensive line or they have, you know, nine guys in the box. That's all that goes. And so that's the, that's the beauty of coaching. That's the beauty of the scheming part. Well, we need to be better there. I need to be better there. Uh, the other part of it, too, is, is just for us to say, step back and say, okay, if we're going to run the ball, how are we going to do it? And that's what I think has been fun for us here in the off season is trying to understand, is it by personnel, right? Is it, and then if it is, what is it and who is it? And then number two is, okay, if, if that's obviously something that we've made changes on this off season, now, is it by scheme? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. And so now you put that together and now all of a sudden um, it's a lot easier to call run plays when they're productive. And so you have to stay balanced. And but running the ball, I totally understand what you're saying, and totally understand your frustration. And and uh, trust me, I, I know 
you know, being a quarterback guy and wanting to throw the ball and, and all that, I, you know, you get labeled with that. But I'm all about running it, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing us uh, get better in that area this year. He just had to throw the fantasy thing in there again. Did you hear that, Davis, or is that just me? That's weird every time he does it. Why? It's just strange every time he does it. This is like, are a- you calling plays and checking your points on the sideline at no. the same time? That's not what we're talking about here. No. <laughs> and, you know, and if you knew anything about fantasy football, you'd realize that you know the wide receiver would be a snake draft on wide receivers first, and then quarterbacks, or maybe some else, but not not the running backs in twenty twenty. Like he's trying to help us out with his play calling. I just I don't I don't like that connotation that the reason why that we're asking for the Bears to run the football more is because of fantasy stats. It's not what it's about. It's about balance on offense. Even his, did, was he not there on the sidelines for the Kansas City Chiefs? Did they not run the football? Of course they did. Did he not watch the Super Bowl? Probably didn't. Did he watch the 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 chart the uh, the Chiefs and the Forty ers Did they not run the football? Did they not utilize a tight end? I mean, come on, like like he's got to stop bringing this up as if like oh it's just these fantasy guys yeah you know, they just you know you got to be able to throw it too. Well, we know that it's about balance. You know, to think that you can load uh, Trubisky up for 40-plus times and think that guy's going to get it done with 14, 15 points a game, that's not happening. That's why you have to be able to stay on the field as much as possible. The defense is wearing down because the offense is three and out or can't matriculate the ball down the field. Chris is in Dyer, Indiana with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Chris? Hey, uh, first-time caller, and uh, I want to sit there and say I like, I like what the uh... You have to say, but uh, uh, you're talking about LeBron James, yes, sir. And uh, you seem like the type of guy like I am. You've been a the Bulls uh, madhouse on Madison a lot of times. Oh I'm, I'm sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, were you at the Scottie Pippen Classic when Jordan was coming back out of retirement? I always want to ask you this. I was not was, there for that. I'm sure I was. Oh not. my God! You missed. You missed the greatest thing in the whole world. Well, tell me what happened. What, what oh. from your eyes? What did you see? I mean, you had Jason Kidd, Penny Hardaway. You had uh, all these guys there, and and then Jordan comes out, and when he flashes up and he dunks the ball, and all I saw was the bottom of his shoes with the Jumpman logo on the bottom of his shoes. It was just like incredible. But uh, just just really quick, uh, you're you're talking about. I mean, how do you think? I I got three guys in my mind that changed the game of basketball. Right. Would be Will Chamberlain, mm-hmm. Shaquille O'Neal, mm-hmm. and LeBron James, and and Michael Jordan. But I'm talking about physical people that changed the game of basketball, which would be the top three. And Michael changed it. And you you know we're talking about all the uh, 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 <clears throat> last dance and everything. Mm-hmm. And I made my daughter watch it because remember Mark Eaton said something like, uh, uh, "A guy like him can't change the game of basketball. You need a big man." Right. It, and my my daughter's a big big time into volleyball, and I'm like, you know what? You're going to get taller. Don't worry about it. You know, what I mean, uh, I'm six foot three. My wife's five foot nine, and I'm like, don't worry. But I I wanted her to watch that. You know. I mean, I mean, what do you feel about that? I'll, I'll hang up and I want to listen. But those three guys that physically changed the game of basketball: Michael, 
mentally changed it because he was too strong to let somebody tell him that you couldn't do this. So well, I'll, I'll hang up and I'll listen. Chris, I'm glad you checked in. I appreciate your phone call. Uh, we're against the break, but let me just say this quickly. So in that time, and I remember that, it was early in the documentary where you had Big saying that, I don't know how Michael Jordan can fit into today's NBA. We're coming out the 70s uh, in the early 80s where you just you just put any big oaf in there because it was about size, right? They wanted to be able to have any, if, if you could play, if you couldn't play, you just had size. And so that was the trend in the NBA during that time. Find someone that was a big guy, whether he's an oaf or a skilled player, and get him in there underneath the basket for him to score high percentage shots. And so when Jerry Krause and Rod Thorne said, we're going to build a team around a two guard, everybody laughed. So I was like, there's no way you're going to build a team. You're going to build your team around a two guard? Because the guards were, you know, they were not even thought of fondly as much as the big guys, a power forward or a center. So it was just a, an, a revelation to see someone at 6'6 be able to control the game because it was about centers for a long time. The players that you mentioned, like the Chamberlains and the Russells, you know, Wilt, guys like that. Yeah, for their time, they did change the game because you're, you're changing the way the game is played. You don't want them to dunk or because